Hi and welcome to Designerverse Developer with me, Mustafa, Design Advocate at Google. This week we're speaking to Ada Rose Cannon, Developer Advocate at Samsung, about how to build a game in a week and the future of VR and 3D on the web. Recently you designed a game in a week uh, yeah. based on anxiety. Could you explain mm. a bit, like, what was the process of you iterating or sketching that idea of how, how did you come up with the um, process? Okay, so the game started out as like a week hackathon based around the annual Games Done Quick event. And so the idea was you build a game quickly during the event where people complete games quickly. So I thought I'd give that a go. And I had an idea of how I could slot together an engine based out of a few components. Um, the topic itself was basically me being like, what's the most interesting thing that's happened to me recently that I can talk about? And I was just like, okay, well, I've been having anxiety attacks recently. I'll make a game about that. So I started looking at Twinery, which is a, a game engine for text-based games. So you click through text, like you read passages, you can expand sections, and you read through a story. Imagine like a choose-your-own-adventure format. Yeah. Um, it's like the island adventure type games, yeah. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, that's really cool. It's a nice way to explore the world. But I have a 3D graphics background. I really enjoy doing 3D development. And I am kind of want to give a 3D aspect to this game. So part of the challenge was kind of crowbarring um, 3D graphics into, into a narrative engine that's designed for text-based games. So fortunately, Twinery is all web-based. Um, you can build it on the web and um, and it plays through the browser. Okay. Um, so I was looking at a few engines, I was looking at like um, Babylon or 3 and A-Frame. So in the end I settled on A-Frame because the cool thing about that is that because it's based around HTML, it's very easy for me to, to inject it straight into the engine and into the big HTML file. So I started looking at hacking around the um, the Twinery page to shrink the passages down into like a little text box at the bottom and drop the engine behind it. And then I had a thought to myself, like I've got like, I've got a week to make an environment, do animations and interactions. Um, so I used like Archaeologic's 3D.io tool to produce some architecture, like an apartment building to explore. So I picked that because it's, again, it's another tool that works online, so I don't need to download and install anything because I'm building this whole thing on my Chromebook, like no like actual editor. And the cool thing about that is that it imports directly to A-Frame. No, so I can build it on the thing and include a line of code in my, in my Twinery game and boom, I've got my environment, my A-Frame scene. And then I spent a few days hacking in interaction so you can click on it with a mouse or swipe with your um, thumb on a phone screen oh, wow. and it works. So yeah, so it pretty much because of the power of A-Frame, um, which is designed to work on desktop computers and phones, it was responsibly designed pretty much out of the box and it just worked. Um, I say just worked. I got to the point where I had the game, like the game itself, like the engine completed, but no narrative and about like two or three hours left. And I was just like, ah, cram in some story, like type something <laughs> up. You can probably like speed run the game in about 45 seconds. It's not super long. Um, there's about seven passages. 
Um, but there's some nice Easter eggs and it was just a cool thing to show that, yeah, like given tools that are based in the web, so Glitch for hosting, Twinery for making the game engine, um, Archaeologics 3D.io for making the environment and A-Frame as the game engine, I could plug all these bits together um, with a bit, little bit of JavaScript to, to grease the wheels a bit and it worked and it works really very well. I'm very happy with it. It sounds like the design process is almost a bit like a fashion designer stitching these different bits of fabric together and then you have this garment. Um, I mean, do you, when you're designing the games that you've made, do you think about, like when I'm coming to design stuff, I, pen and paper, mm -hmm. sketch, and I'm, I have to think about the, the, the environment space. I mean, 3D stuff goes way over my head. I just yeah. look at stuff, I, I can only think in 2D. I mean, what is the process that you should go through? Um, is, um, is it that kind of sketchy or is it you're just hacking to see how you can push the technology to do what you no, want to do? No, it's kind of sketchy, um, except instead of sketching pen and paper or using like models or boxes, um, so because I do most of my 3D development in A-Frame these days, I tend to like drop in some basic elements and then I'll open up the A-Frame inspector, which is like the DevTools inspector, except it's built into the A-Frame library. So if you press Control or I, it gives you like a little 3D editor where you can um, add new elements, change components around. So then I'd start moving stuff around, placing it. Um, and then I copy and paste the HTML back into um, back into my editor. Or if I'm doing it in Glitch, I might just type in a few lines, refresh it. Eh, it looks not quite like how I want. Do it again. Um, then try it to start my phone or my Gear VR um, and see what it's like. And then to keep like rapid prototyping because um, I still code like it's like 2003, and I. <laughs> like make some changes in a text file and then refresh the browser and see what changed. Um, and it works really well for VR because one line of HTML gives me a sphere with some material and like describes it quite nicely. So I can very, very rapidly build up a scene, um, download some objects from Google Poly um, and just put them in and place them around, tweak some lighting, which would just like to change the lighting. It's just one line of code. I'm not setting up a new light, yeah. interaction and parameters, it's just putting some HTML. So it, it makes it very quick to build an experiment and grow stuff organically. So it's kind of like sketching. Um, but designing with code or yeah. sketching with code. I mean, I've been like a web developer for since the early days of the web and sketching with HTML is how I've, like if I wanted to demo a website, I would throw some HTML together and I'm doing the exact same process, but instead of getting a web page, I get a 3D environment. So like designing in code, it feels like it's the way that we should be doing things, designing in the browser. Mm -hmm. um, like so I was talking to Soleil from Firefox, and they've got some amazing uh, grid tools like they're in their developer release. Um, and that's amazing. Uh, like I really like, it's like, it reminds me of like when I first used Fireberg, which I mentioned. Um, with her before, so like it was the first thing that made sense. Like, okay, visually seeing what the code is doing, but like VR stuff is just like complete. Like designing in the browser just it still feels like um, it still feels too scary. It's one of the things I really like about web components because A-Frame is based on web components. It's a web component wrapper for 3.js. So web components allow you to take some complex piece of logic or JavaScript or whatever. Is happening and encapsulate it in a in a more 
friendly HTML format. So you can take what could be a 20-line chunk of JavaScript or a 50-line chunk of JavaScript, encapsulate it in a single bit of HTML, expose the, the configurable bits as, as attributes on the HTML element, and instead of being like, oh no, I have no idea what I'm allowed to change in this giant chunk of JavaScript, you can be like, okay, I can copy and paste these chunks from these websites. And then I'm just like, oh, I don't want a blue sky, I want a green sky. And you, you replace the word blue with the word green, <laughs> and now you have a green sky. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> it really is. Like, like I've got 12-year-olds coding full VR scenes in, in under an hour. Oh, wow. Like, it's something, like, if you want to get started with VR, but you find JavaScript and WebGL intimidating, but HTML seems friendly and fluffy, A-Frame is a wonderful place to start. And, like, I code with A-Frame, like, the same way I did when I was first learning to program HTML. Like, I paste in chunks of other people's code, which I, I'm like, I don't know what this does, put it in. Then I change some of the values and see what changes. I'm like, oh, okay, this makes sense now. And what may have taken me two or three months to write before using 3.js now may take me like a week or two with A-Frame. Um, what were you using before then? Did you use like Maya or like these other 3D packages? I used to do 3D modeling with Maya. Um, Back in back when I was a PlayStation developer, oh. um, there's a new format which is just um, starting to land called GLTF. So GLTF is, is kind of been positioned by the Kronos Group as the JPEG for um, for 3D. So it's an it's a 3D model format where you can bundle the textures and the objects and the models and the animations and all the other stuff inside the file format. It's really well optimized for the web and it works super well in most modern 3D libraries for the web and it's just been very well accepted. So, but failing that you can always use like OBJ or I think uh, you can use Collada as well. There's lots of Collada importers for 3D stuff. So you can build directly in Maya and start importing it back as individual models you can then control in JavaScript. Yeah, that's GLTF is probably the file format of choice for the web. You actually designed a racing game as well. How did mm. you go about? Is it the similar process to um, your anxiety game or? Uh, yeah, so the racing game, um, which I made is probably the first thing I ever made with A-Frame. Um, it needs a bit of um, love these days because it's, it's like slowly degraded bit by bit as I've upgraded some of my libraries without actually testing it in the game. <laughs> um, but um, so the racing game I made in A-Frame um, and the way it works is um, it's there's like a track um, you travel around with the ship. Uh, it's kind of based on um, like some of the PlayStation racing games. I built that the way I described earlier in that I put stuff in the scene and I experimented with it to see how it worked. So first I, um, I knew I wanted like a beautiful sunset water scene. Yeah. So I... I used a very expensive ocean shader and a very expensive sky shader to get it in. And it worked really beautifully on my desktop computer, but then kind of melted my phone. <laughs> um, so I, um, I then, um, I, I, then I bought um, like a sunset sky box to use for the, for the sky. So it's like an equirectangular image of the sunset, yeah. um, which worked really beautifully. Um, and then I, um, 
had to um, find a way to do the ocean water efficiently. So I did this by, um, this was actually my first pull request to A-Frame. They're really friendly and like, they're really welcoming to pull requests. So I wanted to access some of the internal 3.js materials that weren't exposed in A-Frame yet. Okay. Um, so I made a, um, a pull request to expose stuff like reflectivity. And so although the water isn't accurate water, it's probably more akin to metal than water. Yeah. It still has a similar enough effect to give the illusion of, of being water waves. Um, then for the track itself, I, I made an A-Frame component, which um, described um, splines, like um, curved lines in 3D space. I then... Um, Is that what they call them? Splines? Yeah, or spleens. I don't know. Like, I'm, it's a word I've only ever seen written down. Um, <laughs> and um, then I made one track element, and then I just... Then I wrote another component to take an object and clone it along the path. So I take this one chunk of, of um, track, and then I clone it all the way around um, the full length of the, of the racing track. And it works pretty nice. Um, like it's 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 a cheap effect, but it gives this nice effect of a smooth track. Um, and I wrote like a, a the tricky bit was writing a simple physics engine so that the 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 spaceship itself could float on the track and wouldn't clip through it and fall off. Yeah. Um, so the physics works surprisingly well considering it's one I cobbled together um, in an afternoon as opposed to. But it sounds like you're library. doing black magic because when I saw the game, it's like this amazing 3D immersive experience. And just the idea that you're just designing this in code still blows me away. Like, how are you? But it feels like it's, you're building things like component piece by piece. You're talking to the sky, which kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the way I build stuff generally. Like even, even when I'm not doing 3D stuff, like, I'll write a small piece of logic and be like, oh, yeah, that's great. And then I'll wrap it in a web component. And it was the same here with A frame. Like, I. When I made the ocean, at first I made it with JavaScript, and I went, well, that's great. And then I encapsulated it into an A-frame component. Same with uh, the logic for making spline curves and cloning objects around them. First, I would write it in JavaScript, and then I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a nice bit of logic. Now it's a web component, and I can use it again and again in HTML. Yeah. So it's, it's, that's kind of the way I work, because um, it allows me to rapidly iterate without thinking too hard about how I'm going to generalize this. Yeah. And then once I actually, once I've got it doing what I wanted, then I make it into something reusable. One last thing, what do you think about performance though? Because 3D seems to be a real big performance drain on like, especially with the mobile devices. I mean, is that something that we just have to, um, I don't suck it and see, or like just accept that performance is always going to be a challenge? This is the question I actually get last a huge amount of people like, how, how can a mobile phone on the web do 3D? Well, it, it does it very well. Um, like, yeah, WebGL is always going to be a battery drain. Like, you're, you, don't, you probably don't want to render every website with WebGL, but if you're doing virtual reality or 3D games or whatever, then you'll just have to accept you're going to be using WebGL, which is going to drain the battery. Um, and in terms of, like, rendering performance, you're going to want to go as... as fast as you want to hit, always be hitting the 60 frames per second mark or 90 frames per second or 120 frames per second if, if you're on virtual reality. Um, and this is something which 
like is is incredibly important because if you if you start skipping frames in in VR, you can start making people ill. Um, oh wow! Because yeah, like if if a like the Web VR API does some like in, interpolation of frames and stuff to make it so that it's um, so that if you move your head and a frame hasn't been sent, it will leave the frame in place in a virtual space. So it feels better, but it's not like a perfect solution. Yeah. Like, you drop too many frames, you're going to make someone ill regardless. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like the same, you do it the same way you make a normal website performant. You, you build it and you test it on the slowest device you can support. Um, and so you get your two or three year old middle range device and test it and be like, yes, this works at um, 60 frames per second. Like I said earlier with like the sky and ocean shader, like I got 60 frames per second on my desktop computer. I got 60 frames per second on my Samsung S8. I got 30 frames per second on my on my cheap testing device. And I was like, well, that's not going to cut it. Not everyone has like a top of the line phone. Of course. So that's when I'm, I need to find a solution which like the ocean I'm, I ended up going with doesn't have accurate reflections in the water. Like you can't see the ship reflected in it. But people are like, wow, this looks amazing. Yeah. But it's just a cheap effect. Um, and finding finding stuff that's inexpensive but looks almost as good is, I think, the the key thing when it comes to doing like high performance 3D. And that's basically the compromise. So with any piece of digital design, or any design even, it's like back in the day, you'd have to choose one or two colors on a print. It's like, that's yeah. just the nature of the technology. Yeah. Um, one final, final point is accessibility is with VR. That yeah. seems to, I mean, it kind of, I mean, it makes sense, but completely oblivious to the fact that if you do the wrong thing, you could actually physically make someone feel sick. So you have huge amounts of power in VR. So you've, you've somehow persuaded a user to strap a device to their face um, and you have full control over what you're showing them. So it's, it's a WebGL-based API uh, which you're, where you're, you're building up a world by rendering triangles with JavaScript. So it's very, um, it's very low level. You have full control over what you show them. Um, so there's lots of nefarious stuff you could be doing. You could be... Um, like if you're, if you're naively um, skipping frames and hoping for the best, you're probably going to make the user ill. Wow. If you bring stuff really close to the user, you can make them scared or uncomfortable, maybe give them headaches because they're finding it too hard to focus at such a short distance. You could be um, um, uh, moving the camera around in like a bobbing motion. Um, or doing like too much acceleration, you could be making the user feel motion sick. Um, so there's there's lots of stuff you can do which is kind of um, nefarious. Um, even stuff like the scare sites from back in the day, which can really make people um, make people jump. Like if you do that in VR, you could seriously scar someone. Um, so it's a, it's a scary situation, um, but I hope I'm hoping it's a thing where. Um, where in the meantime, people are going to be building nice stuff. And then if stuff starts to be an issue like this, then you're going to get the kind of content blockers and, and the like dealing with, um, like warning this, 
this VR website may make you feel really uncomfortable or ill or has been like reported for not being good. So I'm, I'm hoping in the long term we start seeing more tools around making VR safe for everyone. But right now developers have been really excited with VR. Um, I'm seeing lots of really amazing projects being built. There's some really cool tooling coming, coming out, making it um, easier and easier for new developers to build stuff. Uh, there's huge amounts of assets which are landing from Creative Commons 3D assets, such as the ones found in like uh, Google Poly, um, and tools for making them, um, like Tilt Brush and Blocks. Uh, there's um, people are releasing like sound assets and um, skyboxes and all the bits you need to put together a really engaging scene. And I think as people get used to building them and like just experimenting with the technology and having fun, then um, they're going to be really excited to to like build a long and like healthy future for VR and AR in the web. Mm -hmm.